Blog Talk Radio. Amen. And it's good to be coming to you live on Blog Talk Radio. Amen. So that was his way at that point. 
Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. If, if Jesus has opened your blind eyes, as the songwriter said, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. If your eyes are open now, follow Jesus. Don't follow this world. Don't follow the lie of Satan. Don't follow, follow your, don't follow your heart. Don't follow your dreams. You follow Jesus Christ. Don't follow the advice of others. Follow Jesus Christ. If their advice doesn't line up with him, forget their advice. Jesus Christ is the only way a Christian needs to go. Amen? Now, let's, let's look today. Today's uh, message, and we're going to find it in, in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Let's read verse 1 down through verse 10, and we'll pray and we'll get started. All right. Luke chapter 19, verse 1, the Bible said, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was a little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up in the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that, that he was going to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, I just love you and I thank you, Lord, that Jesus came to save sinners, an old wretch like me. And I'm thankful that his blood has covered me. I'm thankful that I have been washed in that in that crimson flow that makes makes us white as snow, Father. I'm thankful today. But Lord, I'm in the same shape as old Zacchaeus is today. I'm saved by your grace. Lord, I'm so glad, and I'm glad to know someday I'm going to see old Zacchaeus, and we're going to talk. And, Lord, I just thank you that, that not only am I going to see him, but someday I'm going to see your face because you died for me. And I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I pray for the one that's listening this morning who doesn't know for sure if they would have died, that they would go to heaven. They don't know where their soul would spend eternity. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, the the, the, the vision would clear up for them. Lord, they'd be able to see as clear as day, like blind Bartimaeus, Lord, that their eyes would be open. I pray, Lord, that they would they would come down from their lofty position and kneel before the Savior. They would come down and humble themselves and receive Christ as their Savior and be born again. Lord, I pray for everyone out there under the sound of my voice, but I especially pray for that sinner that's nearest hell today. I pray for their salvation. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the, the call to preach. Thank you, Lord, that you love us like you do. Bless us and meet with us now. Holy Ghost of God, convict sinners, draw us all closer to God. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of the message this morning is how a wee little man God great this day. Amen. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. I've been, I've been thinking, what am I going to do? I'm just going to Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. 
as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. And that's a little kid's song. And we learned it in vacation Bible school probably. But the truth of it is, there's so much doctrine in that song to be a little kid's song. So much doctrine. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, not the song for sure, but the doctrine behind it. Amen. I want to look at Zacchaeus, and, and as we do, I want us to, I mean, I know I, I'm talking to saved people in this room, according to your testimony, but there's people out there listening to me or not. And I want to show them how they, too, can look at this example of Zacchaeus and see that salvation is there for them, that Jesus doesn't want them to spend eternity lost. He wants them to be saved. That's why he came into this world, the Son of Man. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? Amen. So let's look again here in, in, uh, in chapter 19. The Bible said that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, it's interesting because last week, last week, if you remember, and I, and I think we were in Mark chapter 10, exactly in Mark chapter 10, in verse 46 when we started there, and it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. And here it says that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, I'm going to tell you, this happened down the road from blind Bartimaeus. And in sitting and thinking about it, it probably happened mere minutes after blind Bartimaeus. I'm sure that blind Bartimaeus was there when Zacchaeus got saved. So understand, we're, we're, we're walking down a we're walking down a road outside of the, this big city of Jericho. A big city, it's a huge city, but it's a relatively decent sized city. And and they're heading south, and, and this occurs with blind Bartimaeus. And then as blind Bartimaeus is following Jesus, and he's, I mean, the joy of salvation is all over him, and people are all around him amazed because Bartimaeus now is seeing and walking, and they've seen a miracle, and, and electricity is in the air because Jesus is doing miraculous things. And so there's lots of there's lots of people running up the road trying to say, "You won't believe what just happened." That's everyone on the road. You know Bartimaeus; he can see. He can see it's a miracle. Jesus healed him. I mean, there are people, listen, nobody got on their cell phone and texted and tweeted or, or, or Facebook posted anything. I know we have a hard time wrapping our minds around it in this day and time, but nobody could get on a cell phone and call anybody, and nobody could do anything but run and tell. So people took off. I guarantee you there were at least young people, kids, who took off running and ran up the road and said, y'all got to come and see. How did Zacchaeus know he was coming? That's how Zacchaeus knew he was coming. There was a, a rumbling that Jesus is doing miracles down the road. So number one, I want to, I want to, I want to say to you, number one, that Zacchaeus, he experienced a divine confrontation. He didn't realize it was about to take place. But he experienced a divine confrontation. I want first I want to look at that. I want to I want to think on him a minute and I want us to understand first of all. 
be powerful because they're small. Uh, but that's the flesh. And Zacchaeus knew nothing but his flesh. So he was compensating. He was comp- I think he was compensating for the fact that he was a little bitty guy. They call that the Napoleon complex, you know. Uh, but something, something is driving you to be that guy. Something in his life said to him, you need, you, need to, you need to get rich, you need to get powerful, you need to get all you can. doesn't matter who you hurt, do it. Something in them, in him, drove him to be that way. Something in him, and listen to me, whatever it is, in you that was your that was your biggest sin before you got saved, something in you was driving you to do that. Listen, our flesh tells us that this world is our oyster. We ought to go get all we can get. This you know, our flesh says to us, you know, forget what everybody else thinks. You just you just get all you can. Grab all you can. Look out for number one. Ain't nobody else gonna look out for you. Look out for yourself. That's what this world's philosophy on life is. You know, whoever dies with both toys wins. I've seen that on the bumper sticker before. That's a foolish thing. But that was the philosophy that old Zacchaeus lived by. Like I said, something drove him to be that way. I can tell you what drove him to be that way. There was a hole in Zacchaeus' heart. There was a void in Zacchaeus. There was a there was a desire for fulfillment that he did not have. There was at least nothing to satisfy that. And no matter how much money he stole, no matter how much how much he added on to his house, no matter how many camels he had parked in his driveway, no matter uh, how much, how fancy his clothes his wife wore, no matter how much jewelry he had on, he couldn't satisfy that knowing desire in his heart for something that was missing. Well, he heard down the road that Jesus was about to come that way. And I think his curiosity at first about that. His curiosity said, well, I may never get there to see him again. So I've heard about him. I've heard about him performing miracles and stuff. I've heard a lot of things about it. I want to see this guy for my own sake. Something got a hold of Zacchaeus. Now, understand this. This is not a child. He might be a little short guy, about no bigger than most of the kids around him, but he's a child. This is a grown man. This is a man, I don't know how old he was, but I can tell you, for him to have been in the position that he's in, he was probably well past 30 years. He could have been in his 40s or his 50s. I don't know how old he was, but I assume he's somewhere past 30 years of age, at least, and on up. So here's this grown man. And the Bible tells us that, it, you know, he was short. He couldn't see because there were so many people flooding the roadway. And because he was so short, he couldn't see over their shoulders to see Jesus. So he done something that's very uncharacteristic for a man of means, a wealthy man, a powerful man to do. I mean, you know, kids are kids. Kids are going to be kids. And so I'm assuming that in the trees along the roadway, as Jesus is passing through, this mass of humanity is packing the roadway. What do kids do? They climb up in a tree. So they look down and see. So I'm assuming there are, there are kids sitting on tree limbs, hanging off, looking, looking down at the 
on the inside before he came to see. There was turmoil. There was loneliness. They say something he was hated. They may have been they may have respected him, but he was hated. He was loathed. It's kind of the same with lawyers. I mean they're respected, but they're pretty much loathed. Amen. So <clears throat> not all of them, I will say that. There are some good ones, but not very many. But anyway, what do you mean? There was nothing in there. That's why there was corruption. That's why there was there was there was uh, uh, no no problem whatsoever with harming somebody else. Corruption was all there was on the inside of Zacchaeus. So, like I said, he experienced a divine confrontation, but but experienced something else. He also experienced a divine confrontation. So Jesus. Walking down the street, let's go ahead and read down there. Jesus entered the path of Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not suppress, because he was little of And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now, I said he experienced a divine call. I'm going to tell you something interesting. This is the only time in the Bible where Jesus ever looked up. Usually he's looking down on somebody who was who was in need of him. I'll take that back. He looked up at the one whose parents didn't really talk about. But, uh, one of only two times that I can think of where he had where Jesus ever looked up so but but it was a divine call, but let me tell you this is a personal call and I'll tell you why. Because he called he called him by his name. Now, before Zacchaeus climbed that tree, do you think for one second he thought Jesus was gonna stop and call him by name? I don't think so either. I think he figured he'd sit up in that tree limb and watch him go by and get down and go home. He had no idea what was about to take place. Can I tell you, nobody ever knows what's about to happen before it takes place before you get saved. They don't know that they can get saved. I, I mean, when I got saved, I wasn't expecting it. I was just going to go to bed that night, brushing my teeth, when Holy Ghost conviction fell upon me like a load of bricks. And I mean, I had to get saved right then because God was dealing with me. And I'm going to tell you, Zacchaeus had no idea God was about to deal with him. But he called him by name. Here's the interesting thing. Do you have any idea what the name Zacchaeus means? It means pure. <laughs> it means untainted. Pure. That's what the name Zacchaeus means. Now, he was far from that. But he knew what he was untainted. But Jesus called him by his name. Amen. I thank God he called me by my name. You see, he was far, far from being untainted. He was far, far from being pure. But Jesus saw what he was going to be, not what he was. Amen? Zacchaeus climbed up in that tree looking for Jesus. But Zacchaeus had no idea that Jesus was looking for him. Amen? Say it's beautiful. It's amazing. It was a personal problem. Amen? I mean, 
I thank God that it's just like it's just like when when Jesus came and he went to the he went to Sychar the well. God said he must need the why because he knew that woman needed to be saved. There's a reason why Jesus went down that road. Why? Because he knew blind Bartimaeus needed to be saved. He knew that Zacchaeus was ready to be saved. Amen. That's why Jesus showed up in that bathroom that night in 1975. Why? Because he knew that I needed to be saved. It was a personal call. I mean, that night when I got saved, everybody in the house didn't get saved. They weren't, and nobody else got spoke to but me. It was just me. I knew that I needed to be saved. And when God dealt with me, it was very, I was not, I didn't think, oh, he must be talking to everybody else in here. No, I knew it was me. Personal, that the God of all creation spoke to me. And told me that I was lost and that I needed him and I needed to be born again. But thank God, you know what? Thank God, back, back in 1994, when I'm, I'm, I mean, sorry, 1996, when I'm driving home from, from roofing a house with my brother and I'm covered in dirt and everything else, driving down the road. And, and all of, I mean, all of a sudden, I realized my call to preach. I, mean, I, re- I recognized that God was dealing with me. I knew he was dealing with me. But I recognized what it was that he wanted me to preach his gospel, and it was a personal call to preach. Thank God he speaks directly to people. I'm thankful that God speaks directly to hearts, and God calls directly. He doesn't use some. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't do it some blanket call. He doesn't do it through somebody. God speaks to our hearts. Nobody told me, hey, you need to listen. Somebody told you you had to get saved, and you did something because. Somebody told you to do it. Listen, that's not salvation. If God wasn't dealing with you, if God wasn't showing you that he was, he, he is the one you answer to, if God wasn't showing you that you must get saved before him, if God wasn't showing you that, that he needed to wash you white as snow in the blood of Jesus, then, a friend, I'm going to tell you something. You need to get saved. Because somebody else can't do it for you. Repeating a prayer after somebody can't do it for you. God must draw you and show you your need in your heart that you are lost and that you need Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. Whenever Jesus called him, and again, it was personal. He called it by name. He looked up at him. It was a plain call. I mean, it was clear and simple. What did he say? Make haste and come down. Hurry and come down. That's what he was saying. And what did Zacchaeus do? He said what he done. He heard it, he believed it, and he obeyed it. Amen. What did I do when I got saved? Hey, I had heard it, I believed it, and I obeyed it. Amen. You say, what do you mean you obeyed it? I called upon the name of the Lord. Amen. I didn't I didn't do anything but believe. I trusted, I, re, I repented that, that my, I knew my way couldn't save me. I knew nothing I could do would ever be good enough before God. And so I repented of my way because my way led me to hell and destruction. And I believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted that his way was the only way of salvation. And when I believed on him, I had salvation immediately. There was nothing that I could do. There was nothing that Zacchaeus could do. There was nothing that his money could buy for him in regards to salvation. Listen, he knew that he was a sinner. In that instant, when Jesus called him by name and said, Zacchaeus, I guarantee 
no doubt whatsoever. Again, like I said, he knew he was a sinner. He believed that. He knew. He believed that Jesus uh, Jesus came to free him from that sin. He knew that. He believed that. And guess what? He got freed. Amen. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. He got emancipated from his sin right there, right then, on that tree limb. Amen. He didn't have to come down to get saved, but praise God, he came down. What did he do? He came down when he lost his position. And he humbled himself before the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to humble yourself if you're going to get saved. You've got to come down. Amen. That's, that's what Jesus told him. Come down. Listen, you're going to have to come down. God's not going to come up and get you. God wants you to come down and humble yourself. Come as a little child. Come believing. Come trusting. Salvation through. It's not hard. There's nothing hard about what Zach is. What, what happens to Zach is. Nothing at all. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Again, salvation is simple. You just got to understand that you are lost, that your sins are ever before God, and you've only sinned against Him. And, and listen, He's got to do something with that sin. Either they've got to be forgiven, or He's going to have to send you to hell to pay for it. God will not let sin into heaven. God will not let you come in as a sinner. No, He will not. He will not say you've had more good days than bad days, so I've waited all out, and you were a good person, and you get to come in, and you strut all over heaven with your chest poked out because you were good enough to get there, and so many others weren't. And you'd walk all over heaven with your little crooked halo saying, look at me, look at me, I'm a good person. No, that's not how you get in. You can't get in that way. For all have sinned. A-L-L, everybody in the whole wide world, there's not a single person who's without sin, who's worthy of heaven. Nobody. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means we can't make it. Oh, that, that leaves us in a tragic position. But I'm going to tell you, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I believe it in my heart. Zacchaeus believed it in his heart. And when he came down from that tree, listen, he confessed it with his mouth. Amen. What does the Bible tell us in Romans 10, 13? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what, preacher? Saved from hell. Saved from sin. I didn't get saved from hell. I got saved from sin. Hell is the result of sin. Hell is the consequence of sin. Listen, nobody wants to go to hell. I want everybody at the sound of my voice to hear me say this. Nobody wants to go to hell. They may be cocky and boastful and proud and say, I'm going to go to hell. We're going to party in hell. We're going to go down there and party and do all the horrible things we want to do. But when it comes right down to it, they're about to draw their last breath. Don't a single one of them want to go to hell. But Jesus didn't die 
just to save us from hell. Jesus died to save us from our sin. Because it is our sin. It's our sin that is vile before God. He created hell. It's not hell that's vile before God. God created hell. God didn't create sin. Man sinned. Amen. Man sinned when he chose against God. It's our sin that will send us to that place called hell. But oh, thank God that all somebody has to do is realize that they're lost, realize that their way is, is, is wrong, realize that their way is vile before God, and turn from their way and turn to Christ and believe that he did all that was necessary, that he died on the cross of Calvary, being punished for something he didn't do, taking our sin upon him, bearing it to Calvary, being punished in our place, dying and shedding his blood for our sin in our place. He took it for us, and he says it's the gift of God. And he'll give us that gift. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. What we all deserve, every single one of us. I'm talking about I'm talking about sweet little old grannies and, and, and cute little bitty girls and, and everybody else in the whole wide world that deserve we all deserve to be punished for our sins, but because of God's mercy. Because of God's mercy, let me just read it. Because of the mercy of God, salvation through Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death. And that's not just the body dying, that's spiritual death, friends. That's spiritual death. That's separation from God for all eternity. You'll never, ever, ever come into the presence of God. Not just not just separation from God from all, for all eternity, but agony. Agony over sin. Agony over what's lost. Agony over the fact that you'll never, ever, ever see the light of day again. Agony over the fact that you know that you've wasted the greatest opportunity ever given you ever. Agony over the fact that maybe your loved ones are spending it with you. Agony over the fact that the worst, the worst sinners of all history are in there with you. Agony over the fact that the flames of hell lick across your soul forevermore and that the fire of hell pours into your mouth and into your nostrils and into your ears, but you're never consumed. Just falling in agony and, 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 and flames of hell forevermore. Why not? Because you foolishly rejected God's gift of mercy through Jesus Christ. Thank God for Zacchaeus sitting on that limb that day when Jesus called his name and offered him his mercy and grace. He came down in hate and received it. Amen? Listen, thank God. I said it was a it was a personal call. It was a plain call. But let me tell you something. It was a promising call. What did Jesus say to him? I must abide at thy house. I must abide at thy house. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, Jesus says, I can't. 
big deal, except for everybody around hated Zacchaeus and couldn't believe that Jesus would go eat with a sinner. But that's not what Jesus is necessarily talking about here, because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus saves the soul, he comes in to live forevermore in the person of his Holy Spirit. He abides with us. And he's telling Zacchaeus, I'm going to abide with you. Now listen to me. Jesus died on the cross just shortly after this took place. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose from the grave. And before Jesus went to heaven, he told, he told his disciples, receive the Holy Ghost. And when that happened, when he spoke that word to those disciples that day in that upper room, let me tell you something. Not only did the Holy Ghost of God come into those disciples there, but that Zacchaeus was not with him in company. The Holy Ghost came to live in Zacchaeus at that moment. And from that moment on, Jesus abode with Zacchaeus until his earthly life ended. And then Zacchaeus went into the presence of the Lord forevermore. Jesus said, I must abide as thy house. Everything in Zacchaeus' life at this point is about to change. Don't you understand that? Listen, we don't come, we don't come to church, get saved, and leave Jesus at church. He goes everywhere we go. Everywhere we are. He changes things to suit him. We don't change things to suit ourselves. Jesus comes in to change things to suit him. And what does he do? He makes your home better. He makes he makes you he makes your life better. He makes your relationships in your life better. He makes your marriage better. He makes your relationship with your kids better. He makes your your he makes your whole life better everywhere you go. Jesus said, I'm coming in And let me say to you further. He experienced divine conversion. Divine conversion. There was a divine confrontation, a divine call, and then there was a divine conversion. Thank God. Up in the tree, that's where Zacchaeus got saved. That's where he made a conscious decision. When Jesus said, make haste and come down, and he didn't hesitate, he immediately came to follow Jesus. I want to tell you, that, that's, when, that's when conversion took place. Verse 6. In verse 6, the Bible says, And he made haste and came down, and notice that, and received him joyfully. Thank God that's what I did back in 1975. I received Jesus joyfully. Amen. I'm thankful that he came in. Amen. Let me tell you something. It's like he had his own name. We got his own name. Like I said earlier, we got to come down if we're gonna serve him. We can't. We got to come down if he's gonna be ours. Amen. We can't just. We can't do it our way. The Bible says over over in John eight twenty four. I said there. Jesus said. I said there. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Amen. He came down. He believed that he was the Son of God. And I'm saying that this morning to some sinner out there listening to me who's lost and undone with that Jesus Christ. You have got to come down off of your, off of your either atheistic worldview or your humanistic worldview 
or your idea that some church can save you or some denomination can save you or by you keeping some kind of law or anything else, that that's going to save you. Nothing is going to save you but Jesus Christ. You have got to come down. You've got to believe that he is who he says he is. And if you'll do that, he'll give you salvation. If not, you will die in your sins. Just like he said you would. He would. But, oh, I pray you'll, you'll receive him. I pray you will heed the call this morning. Verse 8, let's follow on there. In verse 8, again, verse 7 says, you know, they all murmured because he was drawn to be a guest for him that is a sinner. But let's look here. I want us to look at, at what happened. I said he, he heeded the call, but number the second thing on this, he demonstrated the change. He demonstrated change. Verse 8, the Bible says, in fact, he stood and said unto the Lord. Here's first thing about his mouth when he got down there. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You know what happened? The Holy Ghost of God dealt with this man. The blood of Jesus Christ came in and washed over his sin. And he knew that he had done things wrong to hurt other people. And now that he is a child of God, he wants to right those wrongs so that he doesn't continue to have a bad testimony. He wants to right those wrongs so that his association with the Savior is not that of being a crook. He wants to restore those things so that those around him see the change that Jesus has made in him. Like my friend Mark Wheeler said, if something big is God moving to you, he's going to stick out somewhere. Amen. Don't tell me you're saved and you've never had the compulsion to do anything for Jesus. Don't tell me that you're saved and there's no difference in you from before. Because when Christ comes in, there is a there's a desire to do things for God. I you may not do it all perfectly. You may stumble and fall, but there is a desire to get up and walk. There's a desire to go forward. There's a desire to fix what's wrong. You may not have it all packed together as to how and, and when and, and where, but you know what? There's a desire that God creates when he comes in. No, we're not all perfect, and we never will be perfect on this side of glory. But praise God, there's a desire. There's a thirst. The Bible says, blessed is they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I have a hunger in me to please God. I have a desire in me, a thirst in me, to be pleasing to him. Why? Because he is mine and I am his. I said he demonstrated a change. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's why I sang that song this morning, The Old Man is Dead. The man you see before you may look a lot the same. I may wear the same old clothes, have the same old name, but you're looking on the outside. You can see inside instead. You see a brand new man where the old man is dead. The old man is not here anymore. Amen? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's why I preach the Word of God. That's why I love the Lord. That's why I tell others about it. Why? Because he is in me. He lives in me. Let's sit down to verse 9 and 10. We're almost done. I said he heeded the call. 
He demonstrated the chariot. And lastly, he received confirmation from Jesus. I like this. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. I don't know what more you could ask for than that. Jesus himself said, There might have been others around that. I don't know. You know. He didn't look all that serious when he was coming down out of the tree. He wasn't crying or nothing. He didn't look shook up. He, he might have had a grin on his face coming out of the tree. He didn't look like he was convicted to me. Or, you know, we got some of these hyper fruit inspectors. I mean, it don't look just perfect to them. Oh, I don't know about that old boy. I, I, I don't know. It's pretty rough old codger. I don't know. And a lot of people, they like to, they like to judge what somebody else can say according to their standards. Remember what they said? Jesus said, he said. He says, for as much as he is also a son of Abraham, just as sure as this man's a Hebrew, he's saved. That's what he's saying. Just as sure as he's a Jew, he's saved. Amen? He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Hallelujah. You know what 1 John 5, 13 says? Let's read that real quick. 1 John 5, 13. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It doesn't say that you may hope. It doesn't say that you may think. It says that you may know. These things have I written unto you. I have the word of God to confirm in my heart, in my life, that I am saved. I used to say, well, you don't, sometimes I don't feel saved. Well, sometimes I, I don't feel this or that, but that doesn't change it. And if somebody said it wasn't me, some days I wake up and I don't feel married, but I'm, I turn over and there she is, and I'm still married. <laughs> that don't change the fact. I didn't say me, so don't look at me like that. I said it wasn't me. I heard it Somebody said, I don't feel married, but I look at her and I remember her every day. So, listen, don't matter how you feel. The reality is you are. There's days I wake up, and I may not feel like I'm a very good Christian. There's sometimes the devil jumps upon my shoulder and says, how could you do so? Just look at the way. Just look at how you fall down sometimes. Just look at the way you do sometimes. How can you really be saved? How could God put up with you this long? And sometimes, you know what? I almost agree with you because I know how I know how rotten I can be. But I'm going to tell you, every time that the devil begins to try to sway my thinking, I go right back to the Scripture. And what I look at, what does it say? It says, these things that I've written, it's the written Word of God. It's not my feelings. It's not how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I'm, there's, there's, a, there's an old saying, or an old poem written by Martin Luther, and it says, Feelings come and feelings go. And feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the Word of God. No one else is worth believing. I'll rest on God's unchanging Word till, till soul and body settle. 
Though heaven and earth shall pass the word, God's word stands forever. And I thank God that that word tells me that because I have put my faith in Jesus Christ, because I have turned from my way to believe on his word, because I know that Jesus paid the price for my sins, and I know that he was buried and that he rose from the grave, I know that. And because I know that, I know that when he tells me that if I believed on his name that I'm saved, I am saved. And I want to say to you today, before we close this message, that what happens back here can happen to you today. If you, my friend, will come to him confessing that you are a sinner, confessing your sin to him, you say, I can't remember it all. That's okay. He knows it all. Just confess it. Just confess that you've sinned against him. Confess that you need him to be your Savior. Confess that you need his blood and wash your sins away, and you believe that it has the power to do so, and that you will trust and believe on Jesus Christ. And if you'll do that, call on him, friend. Call on him. Bow in prayer. Just call on Jesus and tell him, Jesus, I know I'm lost. I know I'm a sinner, and I want you to save me from my sins. Save me. He'll save you today, and you can be born again. He was a rotten, tiny little fellow. He got a woman, a great big Savior. You know, it only takes a little bit of faith to get a great big Savior. Jesus said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. It doesn't take any more faith to get a great big Savior. Just trust him today. He gave, listen, if he's working in your heart today, he's already supplied a faith for you to believe. Trust him today. Father, I come to you, Lord, this morning on behalf of the one who's lost. Lord, I, I pray that this be the day of salvation. Lord, I've made it as plain as I know how to make it. Lord, I know it's so simple. Lord, the story of Zacchaeus proves it's so simple to believe. Lord, I just pray for the ones who are lost. And Lord, I pray for the ones who listen to me that are saved. Lord, who carry the word of God with them, who carry the the truth of God in their bosom. Lord, I pray that we remember that that these books that we carry before us is not the only copy of the word of God that lives in our hearts. And we're to share it with other people. Lord, we're to carry that message of salvation and we're to share it with those who would hear it. Father, I pray for them that they be bold. They be bold witnesses for Christ as this world draws to a close where the cutting off point is when the age of grace ends. Oh, Lord, what a horrible thought. But, Lord, it's out there and it's coming and it's sure and we must be busy. Lord, I pray, Father, that you please work in hearts and lives today. Lord, I pray you draw sinners unto salvation. I pray, I pray that you would draw saints, Lord, to, to rededication and a determination to serve you and live for you, give you the remainder of their days. Father, I pray you bless each one of us now as we come to a close with this message. Father, I just pray that you go with us and work in our lives. And Father, I I ask your special prayer for Lionel O'Neill. Lord, I pray that our friends out there listening to this broadcast will lift up our brother in prayer as he faces the trial of life this week. 
Lord, I know they don't know him, but I pray they join me in prayer for my dear brother. Lord, I ask you, please, work in our lives today. We give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name.